Welcome to In the Hot Seat with the Tenney Group. I'm Spencer Tenney. It's good to be with you. From changing tires to changing hearts and minds across the great state of Alabama. Here with us, we have President and CEO Mark Colson of the Alabama Trucking Association. Mark, welcome to the hot seat. Spencer, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and ready for Christmas, too. All right. Likewise. So before we heat things up, Mark, just take 30 seconds and tell us a little bit, just a little, just a little bit about what the work that you're doing at ATA. Yeah, the Alabama Trucking Association, um, we're, the, we're the voice for trucking in the state. I like to say we're, our, we're the cheerleader for trucking. And um, whether it be small or large firms, Alabama's a top 10 trucking state in the nation. And, you know, we have 110,000 people that work in our business in the state. So that's one in 14 jobs. Uh, we're an essential part of the supply chain. Everyone knows that, especially that listens to this podcast. Uh, but we're the, we're the they. I mean, when somebody says, oh, they should do something about that. We really need, someone should look into this. Somebody, I say, we're the, we're the they. And so uh, we're, we uh, are serving our members' needs and have been doing so since 1936. Oh, I love it. Well, let's jump right in right there. All right, so top, top one, two, three issues that your group's trying to address on behalf of not just the state, but, but, but the whole nation in terms of trucking. What, what, what are some of those top issues that are top of mind for you? Well, number one is workforce, and if you talk to any industry leader, uh, they would say that no matter what, what, what sector of the economy they're coming from. Any, anybody who employs skilled professionals is, is fighting to keep them, fighting to attract them, and that's not going to change for the foreseeable future. So really proud of the leadership in our Alabama Trucking Association for you know, highlighting that, uh, not only complaining about the problem, but really putting a lot of resources and focus and energy behind solutions and not that there's one silver bullet to that problem, and everybody knows that, uh, but a big part of that is humanizing our industry. We talk about that a lot. Uh, those who uh, oppose us, sometimes plaintiff trial attorneys and others who like to profit through the legal system from us, like to paint trucking in a bad light, but they objectify our industry. They don't talk about the uh, unbelievable men and women who make it up, those 110,000 individuals in Alabama that I mentioned earlier. So we've taken the tact of we're going to tell their stories. We've got some powerful stories to tell, like Felicia, who's on the cover of, of one of our recent magazines, who's featured in our Real Faces of Alabama Trucking campaign, and connect those stories with people who have a high propensity to want to come work in trucking, whether they're students or whether they're adults. And so right now in America and in Alabama, the average age of an entry-level driver is 38 years old, which blows my mind, that statistic. Average age of an entry-level driver in the United States of America is 38 years old. So since the time someone was 18 for 20 years, they did something. And then one day said, I want to try to be a professional driver. Um, so we acknowledge that fact and we have a lot of work to do, but I'm really proud of us uh, in, in our state and, and colleagues across the country, not only highlighting that's a problem, but really putting energy behind uh, making a difference and changing the future. That uh, there, are, there are a lot of professional careers in our industry. Truck driving is one of them, the professional driver position, diesel tech. Um, but there are lots of others and know that it's a, it's a great place to be. It's a great place to provide for their families. So um, that, that's probably the top one. I mean, a lot of other things feed off of that, in my opinion. Uh, our public image as trucking has improved probably in all the public opinion research that I've looked at in the recent couple of decades, I think we're probably at a, an all-time high, and I think that's a good thing. That can change quickly if we're not uh, diligent, 
So uh, really, I think the most powerful way to to uh, maintain that and grow the public image is to just tell the stories of the men and women who make trucking special. So look, so look, so let me back that up for a second because I, you know, I think you said something that's really critical. Number one, the stellar, the, the storytelling. Um, is having a positive impact in terms of the public image, which has tremendous economic uh, implications in a good way for the industry itself. And so, but the thing that I want to come back to is this average age, as far as the entry point into trucking, like this seems like a potential goldmine as far as like just to get that back a handful of years, seems like that would be, you know, extremely material to, to addressing some of our efficiency issues. So, so, as your group connects and, and tries to solve for this problem, how, how does that, how do you do that? How do you go and, and, and get that average entry point or average age entry point a little bit lower? It's a tough nut to crack, and, and here's why. And you know this, and you've probably had guests on the show to talk about it. Um, the, the barriers to being an entry-level driver and going directly into a trucking firm are significant, primarily related to insurance costs. Um, larger fleets can do it. They can have training programs, apprenticeship programs that train and mentor entry-level drivers. Your smaller firms, even 200 trucks or less, which are the majority, 98% of trucking firms in Alabama and across the country, either can't or don't have the resources to, uh, to dedicate that type, that type of training and mentorship to uh, entry-level drivers. And or or if they, even if they did, if they're buying insurance on the open market, uh, their insurance requirements require two to five years of experience, depending on the sector of trucking that they're in. So it's like a, almost like a chicken and egg. So every every CDL holder I meet, I ask them, where'd you get your training? Where'd you, where'd you get your CDL? And where was your first job? And you find out that there is a pathway, right? There is a pathway. It's not always linear. It's not like the military. The military has removed all mysticism around entering the military. You sign up, you go to basic, you go here, you go there, and you just, you know the steps involved. Trucking is a little more opaque in, in some degrees. And uh, part of that demystifying trucking is part of our mission here. Part of, part of that will be, um, you know, reducing barriers to becoming an entry-level driver, uh, connecting drivers with trucking firms, partnering with other industries and other organizations who hire entry-level drivers, even if trucking, over-the-road trucking companies can't. So all these things work in concert, and they're not an overnight fix. Uh, you know, the 18 to 20 year old pilot program uh, through the U.S. Department of, of, of uh, Labor and DOT gets um, a lot of attention. Alabama was the 49th state to pass an 18 to 20 year old intrastate uh, CDL law. And the truth of it is, though, because of insurance requirements, it's it's rarely utilized by trucking firms. Now, other industries use it, uh, utilities, municipalities, uh, construction firms. And that's okay. My, my view on it is if we can recruit higher, high quality people who are, you know, safety focused and professionals to get their CDL, even if they don't go to work for a trucking company right out of the gate, that's increasing the pool of high quality professionals that have a CDL and that's good for everybody. And so, um, uh, but you know, uh, business community, myself included, aren't patient people. We like to see results and we want them yesterday. And I know I'm in that, I'm in that boat. So, uh, a lot of these, a lot of these solutions are long plays, uh, but we're committed to it. The leaders in our association, uh, from our chairman of the board, and um, just members of our of our group, I'm, I'm, I've been really excited to see them get behind things that are going to take time to really see the fruits of our labor. 
Uh, but we've we've been able to we've been able to showcase through some of this work through our workforce campaign, not to mention other opportunities that we've had that, that we can move the needle if we stay dedicated to this path. So so let's talk about that. We were joking offline um, about God having a sense of humor about you starting off uh, family business, uh, tire company, changing tires uh, into the position that you are in now, shaping public policy um, and largely doing things that even people that understand this industry don't fully understand what you're actually doing on a day-to-day basis. So, so let's talk about that. What are some of the things that you're excited about that maybe some of the behind-the-scenes public policy work that's taking place that maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see in 2023? What are some things that you're really excited about? Well, one of those is in Alabama, you got to get people who are interested connected to the training that they need. Just, you know, construction is about a decade ahead of us. They, they have uh, prolific programs that you know train their apprentices and in skilled labor to get in the field right in trucking we don't necessarily have that some companies do but as an industry in a macro way at the national level and at the state levels we just don't have that and so that's why you know partnering with training programs that are effective in alabama we have 15 public training programs we have a number of private training uh, offerings for cdl and for diesel diesel technicians Uh, there are nine public diesel tech programs so we've just seen recently through our community college system, uh, through grant funding from our Alabama legislature, which we advocated for, a new offering that complements the existing programs that offers a more flexible platform for people to get their CDL. Um, there are private programs that, that do similar things. So, uh, you know, that's, that's an immediate um, success that, it, again, going to take time to see all the fruits of that, but we're already seeing that process evolve. Uh, the, next, the next phase is connecting with students. Uh, I'm really proud of the work that Lindsey Trent and Next Gen Trucking Association is doing because they are singularly focused on getting into high schools and even middle schools and implementing programs for CDL and diesel tech curriculum at the high school level. Um, that's powerful. We had one example of success in, in Monroeville, Alabama, Monroe County, where we now have a dual credit um, program for high school seniors to get their CDL while they're in high school or right after they graduate. Um, That's just, again, scale-wise, it's not scalable down there, but it is an example of a way that we can connect local industry to a training program and move the needle and get younger people involved. So that's another one. Um, I really believe there's some other opportunities like partnering with the future FFA. I actually have the unique opportunity to serve on our FFA Alabama uh, Board of Trustees for the foundation. And there's a ton of opportunity there to, you know, there's 20, now 26,000 Alabama students in FFA. And um, there are already, you know, agri-science teachers in, in all those schools that have those programs. So, you know, and a lot of the industries, you know, whether it be construction, concrete, asphalt, farming, you know, pick, pick a sector, they all have a CDL component to it. So um, we've had extensive conversations about, how we introduce um, the professional driving role as part of a curriculum, uh, or at least in some partnership through FFA. There's still a lot of work to do with that, but again, that's that's outside the scope of our campaign that are telling some of the unique stories, you know, through media, um, and just those are just true partnerships. So, uh, it, it, it the good news is the good news is everyone's hyper aware of the need for professional drivers, and even if no matter what the economy does, and I've said this to our leaders. If we see an economic slowdown and everyone's not screaming, we need more drivers, we need more drivers, um, we still have to stay committed to this work because it's, you know, it's always there. 
we need we need a pipeline and connecting high quality uh, professionals um, to training and to jobs. Well, agreed. Now, an, an, another role of yours, as if you needed another role, is is that you, you you've taken on this role with Atri, who of course uh, we recently had their president and CEO Rebecca Brewster on on uh, the Hot Seat Podcast. Um, Tell us about the work that you're doing there around research and why it matters. Well, actually, the American Transportation Research Institute is an invaluable resource uh, for uh, the public, but also for, for the transportation and logistics industry. Give you one example. I just had uh, some interactions with folks at the state level about um, electronic vehicle um, infrastructure. And they just recently have a report that highlights some of the challenges that we face uh, from an EV um, implementation at large, but also as it relates specifically to commercial vehicles. And, uh, you know, some of those things are just eye-opening. Having a resource like Atri that can provide great data. Um, another great example is right now our, our Alabama DOT is uh, undergoing its freight plan, which is required to through the U.S. DOT. A component of that is a uh, truck parking, and, and thankfully now, truck parking has risen its way up to a top issue, not only for drivers, it's been there for drivers, but also for company owners. And we've seen the problems that, that are there. Um, it, it detracts female drivers from wanting to be in the industry to, to a large degree. There's a lot of implications from the lack of availability of truck parking. Atchery's been a voice in the wilderness for a long time, but now now uh, that's on everyone's radar. And so we've tried to introduce good data from Atchery. They've done a lot of truck parking studies for other states. I would love for them to do one for Alabama. Um, but so that, that's just another recent example of, you know, Atchery playing a key and pivotal role for policymakers, regulators, uh, to bring good data to bear uh, when important decisions need to be made. No, and, and, and I think that's so, like, just from a visual standpoint, and, and when, you, when you just try to kind of illustrate this, this parking issue and why it's so important, you know, here we are trying to attract female drivers, and, and you just see trucks lined up on an off-ramp to a super busy highway. And you're like, it's just very difficult to see how um, anyone, much less um, a woman, would, would feel comfortable in that environment. It's just not safe at all. Uh, um, and so um, so if we're going to attract more drivers, I, I, I 1,000% agree we have to address basic safety needs. And, and I'm really excited about the work that uh, your group and the Atri are, are, are doing in that area. So let's bring it back to the Alabama Trucking Association. We're doing all these things in terms of image and publicing these things, but you're also doing things for your members. As you, as you look in, towards 2023 from an educational standpoint, what are some of the key areas um, that you're trying to address from an education standpoint for your direct membership? Absolutely. And I think one of the greatest ones, advo we always say advocacy because that's what we're built to do. You know, we have the Alabama legislature, we have municipalities and county governments, and then what happens in Washington. And we are, we are hawks on that. I mean, we have, a, we, that, that is, that is our core. That is what we were organized to do is be the advocate for trucking in those advocacy arenas. But one right out of the gate for our members, I would say is, is training. Our, most most state associations have a safety uh, maintenance council. We do, and Tim Fraser on our team is a true professional that runs that for us. But we host uh, regional training opportunities throughout the state, and that's important because there's been a lot of turnover in trucking. Um, there's been a lot of folks moving around, and so some trucking companies have dedicated safety teams 
Some smaller firms don't. It might be the president that oversees that. You know, a lot of people don't always realize that. And so those that are involved in our safety training, our safety council throughout the year, they get better. I call it the heartbeat of our industry. I've always said a safe trucking company is a profitable trucking company. And um, because if you're not safe, you're not going to be profitable long run because you're not going to be in business. And so um, that that's that's probably the, the key one. And it is something that I am extremely passionate about getting more and more members engaged, different individuals within different companies engaged in that safety council, even if safety isn't their number one job function, because it is whether that, you know, whether we know it or not, everyone's involved in implementing a safety culture. So um, taking advantage of those training opportunities is huge for us. Um, you, you mentioned some of the public image work, but for the members, I, I really think the, the other topic that's on front of, front of mind is that by and large, we are the we we have a target on our back when it comes to um, some some plaintiffs' attorneys. I wouldn't say all, uh, but we certainly have a, par, a a target on our back, and and they have figured out, figured out a pretty significant algorithm for successful settlements with insurance companies when it comes to suing trucking companies, and that's not what the justice system's for. The justice system is to bring to bear um, justice for injured parties, and, and that and that's good, and and we're not against. Plaintiffs' attorneys, we're not against justice for injured parties, no matter who the injured party is, uh, but we're against the justice system being used as profit center for some. And so we got to find solutions to that. There's, again, no silver bullet, just like the workforce front, but when um, companies look at their bottom lines and they look at the cost of insurance increasing, they look at the number of uh, claims and settlements that are out there, it is a crisis. Um, it is a crisis, and I'm not, I'm not just um, – inflaming that. I mean, you talk to any company leader, whether they have two trucks or, you know, 5,000 trucks, and, and you'll hear their stories. So, um, again, that those are going to be issues that get highlighted on behalf of our members, talking about it, educating on it, understanding it, and is, is part of the solution. And then the other part of the solution is in the policy arena. Some of it uh, are, some of those are legislative items. Uh, some of them are political items, honestly. So, um, not going to broadcast everything there, but but I that that's that's a top two right there. Um, there's certainly other ones within the industry, but um, those both require workforce and confronting the lawsuit abuse environment that's out there is uh, that takes a lot of bandwidth. Well, well, no question. You know, when when folks are coming to us and they're trying to educate themselves about a future exit from this industry, one of the things that's driving those. Um, considerations is what's keeping them up at night, and it's that nu- nuclear verdict possibility. I mean, how could it not? And so, yeah, uh, the nuclear verdict, and then the death by a thousand cuts. I mean, it's just the yeah. the, the small claims that get settled um, that you know over over a long period of time. Um, I think those have an equal impact on insurance rates. That's that's certainly a uh, appreciate that perspective. I appreciate all the work that you that you're doing, Mark. It's it's a uh, Often goes unnoticed, but but not by us here at the Tenney Group. We appreciate what you're doing there. I do have one final wild card question, Mark. So we talked about you growing up in the tire business and changing tires. And I'm reminded of this scene out of the famous Christmas story uh, movie where Ralphie's dad goes out and changes the, 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 the tire and he's timing himself. Have you ever timed yourself changing a tire? And if so, what is... 
the fastest you've ever changed a tire? Well, I have not timed myself because when you're changing a tire, speed is not the most important thing. <laughs> Safety is the most important thing. So I haven't. But I will tell you just as a, as a fun aside, and, and thank you for having me on the podcast and the work that you and your team do. I know the M&A activity is only going to increase um, with the current environment. So uh, that's very important. And, and fortunately for Alabama, Alabama has been a net beneficiary of those um, mergers and acquisitions. But I had one time a ministry idea of teaching individuals how to um, change a spare tire and using that as a ministry, like for church, you know, whether it be, you know, teenagers or, you know, uh, whoever that might be that need, need to know that. Because you find out so many people don't know how to change, put their spare tire on, which should be required to be able to drive a car. You should know how to put your spare tire on. But these days it's just like, ah, we could just scholarship them with AAA or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, well, no disagreement here. Uh, why not? If, if, if you need a partner in that, I, I, I'm with you. I, I like that ministry idea. Well, that, that'll, that'll be another show. But, uh, but in, in the meanwhile, Mark, keep up the fight. You're doing great. We really appreciate what you're doing for our industry. That's going to do it for us in the hot seat. We'll see you next time.